Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Women Entrepreneurs Global Podcast Mindset for Success. And today I'd like to explore um, the unconscious struggles that female entrepreneurs um, have often had to overcome in order to be successful. I'm your host, and my name is Dr. Leslie Knudsen. And today I'm so excited to meet and hear from our guest, whose name is Valeria Wilson. And Valeria is a true leader in the community of women who are empowering uh, our future women entrepreneurs. She's also authored a book recently called I'm Absolutely Worth It, which I think gives you an idea of her drive and uh, to inspire and to motivate women. She's also been a prolific uh, women's issues writer for Thrive Magazine and has recently, re recently written a guide on the six steps to negotiate the salary you deserve without letting fear override. Um, Malaria's also had a really successful long career as a uh, leading marketing strategist uh, for 20 years. So please welcome and um, our distinguished new guest for today, Valera Wilson. Hello, thank you so much, Dr. Leslie. And yes, you got it. It's Valera Wilson. Um, I'm excited to uh, be here today and talk with your audience about my uh, upcoming book, You're Absolutely Worth It, and some of the things that I've seen in my career and personal life as it relates to ambition and confidence. Great. Sounds wonderful. So today I wanted to um, talk a little bit about the difficulties that I see in terms of um, successful female entrepreneurs. You know, I think oftentimes business acumen is sought after as something very critical in terms of being a successful entrepreneur, but oftentimes I find that we rarely talk about the psychological challenges that women often face to achieve their success as entrepreneurs. And I like to refer to these as the unconscious struggles. And some of these would be um, the struggles that can create doubt, can also undermine success, and also destroy uh, self-confidence. And so for our first question, Valera, I would like, um, if you can, to give us a little background on, um, given that you were so successful um, as a marketing executive, what made you want to write your book? And was that somewhat of a risk for you, not to mention a big shift in terms of go coming out of um, marketing and into being an author? Sure. So I think everything that we do is an evolution or it prepares us for the next. And so for me, the book is an evolution and progression of my own life and journey as you know, a professional woman in corporate as well as in my personal life. And the experiences that I've had and collected along the way, the struggles I've had, the learnings, um, all of that has um, really led me to write the book around or about releasing self-doubt and embracing confidence and owning your, our yeses as women. Um, so often I've, I have found for myself in particular and then talking with so many other women as I've progressed in my careers, we have the external signs of success, the 
the thing that we're pushing towards and that people see, but they don't always see the struggle or the internal voices, the internal chatter that we might have of ourselves. And that's where you hear, you know, about imposter syndrome, often, you know, rearing its ugly head and causing us to really doubt ourselves and to wonder, well, am I really good enough? Or can I really ask for that promotion or that salary? Or can I really go for that role? Or can I really own my voice? And all of those things just, you know, they're, they're part of our experiences. And I, I found that it becomes so important now to talk about that because we need to know, one, that we're not alone, two, that we're not imagining things, and most mm-hmm. importantly, three, that there are ways for us to overcome that and still be successful. I don't think that fear or doubt will ever leave us, but we can manage it to the point that it does not short circuit our own success and, and goals and dreams. And what are some of the strategies that you use to overcome that? Let's just go with the imposter syndrome, with, which, you know, is such a um, frequent discussion around women entrepreneurs in terms of sort of struggles they have. But what did you do to be, to be able to overcome those kind of dark days when you weren't really sure if you were able to go as far as you wanted to go? Sure. I, I think one of the, the most important things was to own where where I was, and I say that to every woman, is to own where you are and not to discount it in your pursuit to the next. I mm-hmm. found that for me in particular times is that when I'm pushing for the next phase of growth, the imposter syndrome comes from discounting where I've come from and how, how hard I've had to work mm-hmm. in order to get to where I was and know that that work prepared me for the next. And it's just that incom- uncomfortable phase that, causes us sometimes to question, am I enough for the next um, phase of growth? When in fact it is, it's just the unknown, it's that gray area, right? That the space between where we are and where we want to be is uncomfortable, it's uncharted territory. And it becomes important, as I mentioned, to really say, no, wait a minute, I have worked this hard and this long to get here, Um, whether it be student loans to be paid, whether it be um, hours at work, hours studying to get certifications and degrees, hours spent working in a certain field. I was made, I was, I, I positioned myself for this. I positioned myself for the next thing. And to, to own that and let that be the platform from which you stand with confidence and that I stand for, with confidence to say, yes, I have room to grow, but I also have worked to get to where I am and it's positioned me for where I want to go. I think that's the biggest thing is to, to own that and mm-hmm. to know that perfection doesn't require, perfection is not required for confidence. Perfection is, is not the prerequisite. And in and, and that it's an elusive state that can be very, very dangerous to try to achieve. Mm-hmm. And if we can't wait to be confident until we feel perfect, we can't wait to be confident to when we get that next title. Confidence starts today. And it starts with owning the value that we bring and deliver today because what we know, no, how, 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 no matter how little we think it is, it's always something that someone else needs. When we were hired, whether it be in an analyst role, entry-level role, we were hired for something that we know how to do. And whether that be, again, analyst or VP role. So own what you know right now. Value well, that. I also, I also think, excuse me. And I think you're also talking about how important it is to really celebrate the small wins. 
and mm-hmm. take yes. on board and really let them sort of define you in the moment in terms of what a great step forward you've made. And yes, there are other challenges down the road, right? But for right yes, now, exactly. you've got this win. That's right. That's absolutely and, right. And I think that's, that's really um, important. And certainly something, I guess, that you could mentor to other women coming in who think they have to be perfect, as you said, all at once. Mm-hmm. Nope, no one's arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, so let me ask you, it's sort of in the same uh, ballpark, let me ask you a little bit about the guide that you wrote on steps that women can take to ask for a raise while not being overcome by fear. So asking for money, whether you're a female exec or raising capital as an entrepreneur and negotiating term sheets can be scary. And mm-hmm. I wonder in your experience, why do you think it's so hard for women to ask for what they feel they deserve? And have mm-hmm. you ever yourself, if you could share that? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I just literally was having a conversation with a woman today about a position and she and I are talking about how salary conversations are very difficult for her to have, you know, and she said something that I just consistently hear so many women say that I've said is, well, am I being too greedy? Am I, if I ask for this, will I make it an uncomfortable conversation? Will they think um, I'm just, you know, all about me? And so it really becomes almost this community mindset to our own personal well-being, and I don't know, maybe sometimes that happens from just how we were nurtured as women to be community-minded. It's about let's play together with dolls. Everything is mm-hmm. community-minded. Maybe men aren't always, they're, they're throwing rocks at each other. They're, everything that they do is usually very competitive. So it becomes all about them winning mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, and so I think it's cultural. I think it's personal experiences. And I think those two, two combined and then our own personal um, sense of self-worth those three things actually really can define and shape whether or not a woman feels confident about having a conversation about money. And, you know, sometimes it could even be, well, will they rescind the offer if I ask for too much? Uh, Will I create a bad working relationship? Again, all things that are related to someone else perceiving me the wrong way or perceiving me in a negative way. And I have, experience that for sure and the ways that I have um, overcome that one it actually came from a male mentor um, I was having a conversation about a job that I was interested in in a role and they came back with an offer that I really wasn't as happy about and he said well why don't you go ask for more because if they ask if they offered you that much then that means they have more <laughs> and it was just a an aha moment, like a, a duh. Like if they if they have that, then surely they've got several thousand more. They've got they've got something back there in their back pocket. And when he made it that simple, it really helped me to shift the way that I looked at my own salary negotiations. Not only that, but I had to really go through the process of understanding from an HR perspective. Um, that oftentimes the, the, the highest salary is not offered. Most of the time they expect you to do some type of negotiation. So there's wiggle room. 
right? There's a lot of ways to come to a, a favorable end and mm-hmm. a mutually beneficial situation. And the other part that I always like to say is, is that it's important. Most of the time I find that the confidence or lack thereof also comes from lack of knowledge is that sometimes the information, we don't necessarily have the information, the arsenal of information to say, this is really what the salary commands. And so I often tell, you know, women that, you know, in the situation of, of negotiation to, to, to really do a couple of benchmarks to find out as much as possible, you know, what is that, what is the role in that industry at that level with your types of years of experience command? Mm-hmm. And then you, be, you make it about that. It's not, oh, Valera is worse than, although I do believe that really <laughs> at this point. If, you, if that's the struggle, it becomes, well, for someone with my skill set and qualifications in this industry, the market rate is this. And it becomes that kind of conversation about, like, it's not just me saying this. This is the industry that's saying it. So I have the data points. I have the information that support my rationale for why I should be asking for this amount of money. And I, I find that when you can make it about that, um, it, it, it lessens the fear. It lessens the, the trepidation or the tensiveness because you realize I'm not just making this number up. Um, I'm really referring to something else. But, of course, there's situations where you don't know the, the number. Mm-hmm. And you do have to try to search around and get information in case where it's been an entrepreneur. If you can't find the information, it's also, sometimes it has to be market tested. You know, start high, work to the middle, right? And that, that's just negotiating one-on-one. And, and I think it's just something that you have to kind of work through, honestly. And, and I think also what you're saying is it's a little bit like informed consent in terms of being able to really know what the data is on the job that you're looking at. And right. if, you, if you make it concrete and not about you, like here are the numbers for this job, and this is what you can expect to give in terms of money. Then it kind of takes away the greed feeling, the feeling of greed and or, oh, my gosh, I must not be worth it. As you said, you know, it sort of brings it into a place that's, I'm going to say, more neutral and not about you as much. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It becomes very neutral. And I've done that in situations where if there were a contract on, and I was doing some contract work, for example, with someone and I factored in my hourly rate, and I usually ask, well, you know, this is how many hours I'm basing, estimating that I'll have to do the work, and this is my hourly rate. And so based on that, this is what that number is. And they usually will understand, oh, okay, got it, absolutely, right? So there's education on both sides. Sometimes people are lowballing you because they just don't know the amount of time that it takes to do what you do. Um, that's where you have to educate them as the expert on you. And there's times where, you know, they're lowballing you because they just think they can. And then that's where you also have to educate them on the expert of you and say, well, that's not going to work for me because this is what the market rate says. I should be commanding. And I know that you want me to bring my best here. And so in order to do that, this is what it's going to require for me to be here. So knowledge is power, right? It's really being able to have oh, it gosh. and go forward. And yeah. that's part of the way to build self-confidence because you've done your work and you know what's out there in terms of what you can be paid. And I think money's yeah. difficult, as, you, as, as I know you know, but in terms for women, that it's really nice to be able to 
have some concrete, not about you steps to overcome that. So I appreciate that. I think that's really helpful. Um, let me ask you another question. I know you're particularly focused on helping underrepresented women. Um, I sort of have a question about, do you think that the unique and unconscious inner struggles of your audience um, has made it even harder for them to pursue their dreams? Sure, I think it's impossible to, to so a couple things. One is that I definitely, as I am a black woman, so I uniquely understand and have experienced a lot of what black women experience. Um, but I would definitely say that the message of confidence and self-worth is not just defined to me for black women. It is one for every woman. I've mm -hmm. talked to many women around the world who struggle with that. So I definitely would not pigeonhole myself to that space. Um, but I would say that the unique experiences of women of color in particular can and has definitely made it more challenging for us to understand and really articulate and command our worth in different settings because it's impossible to not factor in cultural and racial and, and then layer on gender when you talk about experiences in the workplace as well as in entrepreneurship. The numbers are there and they're not lying. More when the funding, the amount of funding that female startups get and then female startups of color get is, is dramatically different than that for men, right? Um, and then when you layer on the, the staggering numbers of representation of, of women of color in C-level roles and in corporate America, you can't, the numbers don't, they're not lying. And so mm -hmm. when you see all of that and you have dreams and goals and you say, well, but I don't see anyone that looks like me up there. I don't see anyone that looks like me that, that successful in that in that business or as many of us um it definitely does paint and it can paint a grim a grim picture and so yes um that definitely has impacted and i think it becomes a personal personal action to say well what am i going to do in my in the way that i define success what can i do for me and what um, what done? can i do to and what have you do that and what have you done to do that I mean, how well, I would... think one. Go ahead. No, I just wondered in terms of what have you learned, sort of in your career, to be able to say, "I'm going to do the best that I can and overcome the fact when I look around me, I don't see anybody like me." How can you sure. build? I don't know actionable ways to go forward. Sure. I think the one thing is to I call it only my yes. I can't control your, what you say to me, but I can't control what I say to myself. And so it becomes really, really important, I think, and for me and any other woman that takes action for herself is to really look at the situations that she's in and says, is this mutually beneficial? Mm -hmm. Does this situation, does this, does this role, does this entrepreneurship you know, situation, does it really work for me? And how do I make it successful for me? And oftentimes, um, it may look dramatically different, or it might look different. For example, 
Um, if you think about a lot of women of color in corporate America, I, and I look at myself and I say, okay, am I being celebrated where I am? Am I being supported where I am? If I'm not, why am I still there? Um, because if I bring value that I need to be, rec- I, I, it's really important for me to recognize for that value. So let me go where I, I can find to be recognized for that value. And so that may involve moving around at different companies, right? And to make, to make your own progression. Um, but I think it's, it's very subjective to every woman and she has to track her own success as she sees fit. But then there's also a lot of women, you know, that in corporate that have opted to say, you know, I'm going to be my own CEO. I'm going to start my own business for that very reason, because mm-hmm. I'm not celebrated here. And then in the cases where it is, um, um, you're, you're an entrepreneur already, it's around connecting to the sources of energy and, and, and support for yourself. And I'm thankful that there are so many organizations that are starting to support female founders, angel investors, and that sort of thing. Obviously, definitely not as many as, you know, counterparts have, but they're, 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 they're rising up. And so it becomes really, really important to connect to those because there's always going to be noise about what you don't have. Now, you know, become, so it becomes really important to be intentional about connecting to the information and the sources of inspiration that, that say yes to you. I totally agree. And it's also about getting with mentors who are really healthy um, uh, psychologically and know how to put boundaries down. So when you talk about if I'm not celebrated, then maybe I need to look elsewhere that you have the uh, support to say, yes, you need to put boundaries down. If this isn't working for you, maybe there's something else that can. Yes. And it absolutely has happened for me in situations that I think you bring up a really good point is, is so often I have found that at times, if we're so focused on one way, if we're focused on I have to stay at this organization, I, they have to see my value, and you keep draining your energy trying to prove to them that you're worth whatever it is that you see that you are, dedicate that same, if not more, energy to develop your relationships outside of that and, and create opportunities for yourself. And that actually has worked for me as well as I've gotten promotional opportunities with other companies because I continue to develop my network and raise my hand and say, I'm ready for this. And I got people and sponsors and mentors that said, yes, we, we know you are. We know the value of your work. We're going we're gonna to give you the opportunity. And so as opposed to be trying to convince people inside that I was great, the people outside saw that I was great and, and as a result um, provided opportunities. That's great. Um, I wanted to say, we're going to have to stop there, but I wanted to say I, thank you so much, Valeria for joining me today and being so open and sharing today with our listeners, um, your inspirational psychological journeys. Where can um, people reach out to you to learn more about your work? Sure. Well, they can reach out to me. Um, sure. They can reach out to me across. Uh, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn, Valera Wilson. That's V-E-L-E-R-A Wilson. Mm-hmm. I'm also, they can also find me on ValeraWilson.com. That's where they can also find information about my upcoming book, You're Absolutely Worth It. Um, so, yeah, ValeraWilson.com is probably the easiest Great. way to find me, V-E-L-E-R-A, Wilson. Great. Thank you. Um, and in closing, I just want to say those of us at We Entrepreneurs Global are committed to powering the success of female founders. And for more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other founder programs, please visit Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio for women. 
And remember, part of helping young founders move ahead is for us to facilitate an open and non-stigmatizing dialogue about common unconscious struggles, such as the fear of failure and that loud, chattering internal critic. Tune in next week for more Mindset for Success. I'm Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and you can drop me a line at Dr. Leslie Knudsen at drlesliknudsen.com. Thanks so much, Valera. I really appreciate you being here.